Well, kia ora, hello and welcome to the Coast Vineyard Podcast. Whether you're a regular or a first-time listener, it's so good to have you listening in. We hope and pray that wherever you may find yourself at today, that the message that you're about to hear would be helpful for your journey of faith. So without further ado, let's get into this week's message. Well, good morning, church. So good to see you all. Oh, I'm liking that. Good engagement. Um, So actually, we'll roll off that. Who's ready to get into the book of James today? Yeah? Good, good, good. Well, I'm also keen, so let's get started. But before we do so, it's always good to pray. So let's pray. Father God, we just thank you so much for the space that we get on a Sunday to be able to gather together, um, to be able to dig deep into your word. And so just today, God, as we dig into the book of James, we just invite you here, Holy Spirit, to be able to speak to us afresh, to bring new revelation, and to just remind us of your love for us. So we just invite you here to have your way. Would you guide my words? And we pray this all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Cool. All right, so today's message is called Get Serious. Now, to start off with, I'll give you a disclaimer. This does not mean that I will be talking in a very straight, stern, and serious manner. We won't be running this in a business-like fashion. Um, But if you've been hanging out with us at Coast for any length of time, you'll know that that's simply not how we roll anyway. Um, But what I mean when I say get serious is not taking our work of life and faith half-heartedly, but rather earnestly developing a heart posture that is wholeheartedly sold out for the cause of Christ, and living life with God and according to his way. So are we ready to get a little serious? Yeah? Cool. And just as we go through today, I'll just give you a heads up that we'll have a bit of series of cultural check-ins. So this means looking at the state of our culture and what are the alternative worldly narratives that we may be confronted with in our journey through life and faith. Now as a starter, we see in our culture this increasing trend of flakiness. Now, um, I know maybe not all of you know what this term means. Just to clarify, it's not meaning like a flaky scalp or anything. Um, But for those of you from my generation, Gen Z, that's anyone born from 97 to 2012, you'll probably be quite familiar with this term. Um, And so what this means, according to the Urban Dictionary, which um, very reliable academic source, um, it says a person who is, a person is flaky, who is very unreliable, They commit to do things, but really follow through. They will seem sincere when they make a promise, and perhaps they honestly believe they can deliver, but don't be fooled. Trusting a flake only causes you frustration and heartache when they frequently let you down. Yeah, yikes. (laughs) Um, I can confess uh, I have been a flaky person, and I think especially in our like social context of event culture today, we see that people are very um, likely to pull out the last minute or not even respond or or, all those sorts of things. Um, But we've been reading in the book of James how God is inviting us into an authentic life that is not flaky, but is a genuine and sincere commitment to loving God and loving others. 
So this does not mean that we've got a little bit of God over here and a little bit of God over there, but it is God everywhere, in us, through us, and all around us. And as we get into today's message, can I just encourage us to consider that this, as we do church together, as we gather together, that this is not a spectator sport. This is not a sports game where you watch from the sidelines and as we read about James, we think, good of him, he's an awesome athlete training hard in his faith. No, but this is for us to all consider how we can train ourselves for the fullness of an authentic life and faith that God has for us. So I just invite us to be mindful of how the Spirit may speak to us today, maybe bring new revelation, conviction of heart even, or maybe a burning desire just for a life lived more in God's way. And it's all pretty exciting when you think about it, the invitation we have to live life with and for God. So, without further ado, let's rip into the book of James, and we're going to be diving into James 4, if you've got your Bibles on hand, otherwise the screen will help you out. Cool. So, James says in verse 1 to 6, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace. And that is why scripture says God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. So point number one, give up the way of the world. Let's get serious about God's way. Now, this is quite a meaty passage, yeah? There's a quite, quite a lot of here to unpack. But as we read this passage, we can see James as somewhat as a spiritual director for the church. James's counsel for the church goes beyond superficialities. We see that he's not afraid of, of shying away from the hard stuff. But he does so because he wants to seek to guide the church into holiness, into its relationships with God and others. Now, it's been said that true spiritual direction not only challenges, but it comforts. And I think this example, this passage, is a really prime example of this because we see that James is faithful to confront sinful motives and practices, but at the same time, he was equally clear about the promise of God's grace for us, which is uh, something that we can all be very grateful for. Now, the way that James describes the state of affairs within the church kind of reminds me of a Hollywood drama or film. We see that he uses language which makes it sound like it's riddled with scandal and love affairs. And the Christians he is writing to are described as an adulterous people who are pretty much cheating on God by, the things, by flirting with the things of the world. 
Now, we hear this term, the world, used quite a lot in Christian lingo, but I don't think it's always necessarily clear what that means. But in this context, in this sense, we see that the world means the system of human existence, which is hostile to God, that which may be lost in sin and against the divine rule of God. So, whether this may mean or be an example of our love affair with pleasure, with money, with lust, or with violence, all of these things which may be tainted by the world. And these are the things that grieves God's heart when we focus and become obsessed with these things at, at the expense of knowing and loving God. And in this passage, we see that James actually describes God as a jealous lover who so desperately wants our attention and our devotion because he loves us dearly as his children and wants what's best for us. Now, I think we'll just take a pause for a moment, and it would be really good to contemplate what James is getting at here in terms of the Father's heart, his love for us. So the other day, I was going for a walk to my favorite spot, um, out Shakespeare, right at the end of the peninsula. And I was walking and just having a bit of chat with God. And in that space, I was kind of in this funk where I was, had kind of forgotten God's good character and his caring nature and seeing him in a different lens. You know how you can see your family in different light and different way at times? It's kind of one of those moments with God. But as I was walking and talking with God, um, I was reminded of this um, the story that's been passed down my family about my dad. Now, a few decades ago, when my dad was probably in his 20s, he played for a local uh, rugby league club on the shore. Um, and he came up against a team in one of his games who were kind of like the warriors of, of the league. They were like the real solidly built guys. And if you know my dad, he's, he's not quite, you know, the biggest guy um, on the field. But um, one of the things is my, my dad, my grandmother, he, he, she would always come to support him at his games. And my grandmother, she is Irish, she was an immigrant, came from Scotland, she had a hard life over there, um, but she was very, very set on protecting her family at all costs. So we see at this particular game, um, my dad had gone down for the ball, he was on the ground protecting it, but then the opposition, he came down with his knee and shoved it on his head and he wouldn't let him get up so he was forcing him to the ground so what would happen next um who would come running onto the field no it wasn't the ref coming to call this guy out for foul play but it was my irish grandmother coming with her handbag and she came swinging hitting this guy and saying that's my son get off my son so at that moment, the, the crowd of spectators fell absolutely silent. And then this guy, rather sheepishly, stood up and walked away. And I asked my dad um, how he felt about that. You know, as a 20-something-year-old, was that embarrassing, having your mum come on the field? Um, but he actually seemed, he had like a twinkle in his eye saying, like, no, that, that's my mum, that was cool. <laughs> So why do I tell you this story? Well, firstly, just a warning, don't mess with the Irish and their fiery spirit. Hence why I'm wearing green today, <laughs> riffing my roots. Um, but also, 
while God might not necessarily come out and swing out a handbag, the point is that this is God's heart towards us. That he doesn't want us getting hurt. He doesn't want us to be affected or knocked down by the opposition. And he wants to protect us from the harms of sin and the things of this world. He cares for us so deeply. He loves us so much. And this is the Father's heart that we must not lose sight of. But coming back to our response to the things of this world, ultimately we see that James is asking us the question, who are you being formed by? Is it by the things of this world or is it by God's spirit? Now, you may have heard of this term spiritual formation. We speak of it a bit in church. But just if you don't know, spiritual formation and the tradition of Jesus Christ is the process of spirit-led transformation on the inmost being of the human being, the heart, which is the same of the spirit, is the spirit of the will into Christ-likeness. And this essentially means having our life become a natural expression or outflow of the character and teachings of Jesus. So, ultimately, we have two choices. We can choose to be formed by Jesus and God's spirit in this process of spiritual formation or by the world and worldly formation. Which leads me to an overdue cultural check-in. So in terms of friendship with the world, if we look at our cultural context today, we see that one of the dominant narratives that is very prominent is this idea of the pursuit of personal happiness. Anyone heard of this? Yeah, yeah. So this is kind of where we think that if we fit everything together, that all the things that make us happy, then we will be truly content and satisfied with life. But it also means, in a Christian context, that we may not be living to love others and seek their good when it conflicts with our own. And that we also have not surrendered our lives to fulfill God's will for us and ultimately settled for an inward-focused life, which you may call selfishness. But the reason I bring this up is that this is such a common person, personal philosophy that we are um, confronted with in our world that we can often take this for granted as Christians and we can become more committed to our personal happiness than to doing God's will. So, we are invited to give up worldly formation for spiritual formation in Christ. And we can praise God for the moments when we show to disloyalty to God by flirting with the things of this world. And let's face it, there will be many moments where, the, where we flirt with the world as opposed to looking to God and to his best intentions for our lives. But when we lose our pride of thinking that we can figure out life according to our own way, then in our humility, we are told that God will show us favor. James says it right in the passage. And there are some deep humblings that come as we mature and as God lovingly strips back layer after layer of selfishness and we become more like Jesus, his disciples, his holy ones, and his beloved children who he doesn't want to get stuck down on the ground with a knee in their face. Cool. 
Are we all good so far? Yeah? Are we good for some more of James? Nice. Okay. So, if you've got your Bibles open, we're looking at James 4, verse 7 to 10. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Point number two, quit dabbling. Let's get serious about our sin. So in order to be spiritually formed into Christ-likeness, James is reminding us that we need to choose to submit ourselves to God. And in the process of submitting to God, we need to come to him in humility, realizing our need for a savior to save us from the sin that dirties our hearts. Now, let's be real. This is, in fact, a daily process. We need to constantly allow ourselves to be cleaned by God, just as we would hopefully shower every day. Now, the other day, I remember feeling this deep sense of guilt for saying something that I probably shouldn't have said to a friend. I think we all have those little moments where we have a slip of the tongue, Um, but also... While I say that, um, if you weren't here two weeks ago, may I encourage you to watch Jacinda's message, which was all about taming the tongue, some excellent wisdom on the very topic. But in this moment, I was reminded by God that, yes, Caitlin, that was a slip of the tongue. You shouldn't have said that. However, my mercies for you are anew every morning, and my mercy is here for you today. And it was actually such a refreshing moment, just remembering God's grace and his goodness and that he is there for us when we stuff up and we stuff up often. He also, whilst his grace is sufficient for us, he knows the damage of the sin and he doesn't want it to rule and reign over us. But before we dive deeper into this hot or maybe not so hot topic of sin, We need another cultural check-in regarding the philosophy of the day surrounding sin. So Dulles Willard, who is an American philosopher, he writes a great book called The Renovation of the Heart. Highly recommend it. Put it on your to read this. Um, But in this book, he says this. In intellectual circles, evil, like sin, is a non-category. It is impolite and politically, politically incorrect to speak seriously of it. So from what Dallas is saying here, we see that a sense of sin has long disappeared from the academic world. But I would say that that has filtered out to wider society and even impacted the church at times. However, for us as people who may have said yes to following Jesus, we need to consider the ramifications of this way of thinking and how it can affect us. Because if sin isn't important, or if it isn't relevant, because we're all good people anyway, then we have no reason to be saved from our wrongdoing. And I guess, essentially, that makes the gospel null and void. But then we can also ask ourselves the question, why is corruption rife in our world? 
Why do we have wars raging? What's Putin up to doing his thing over in the Ukraine? And why can relationships break down? And why are people hurting all around us? Why? Well, because it's of things of like greed, selfishness, and violence. All these things which could be neatly tucked under the category of sin. So I think we need to take sin seriously. And as for me, I will happily put up my hand and say I am a sinner. Anyone else want to join the Sinners Club? And I boldly claim this because I need a saviour. I can't save myself from my own follies, from my own slips of the tongues, and from the terrors of the world. And I mean, why do you think no political leader has been able to eradicate things like world hunger, injustice, or wars? Why? It's because us, little old humanity, no matter how hard we try, we cannot save ourselves. So Dulles again, he reminds us that the ruined soul must be willing to hear of and recognize its own ruin before it can find out how to enter a different path, the path of eternal life that naturally leads into spiritual formation and Christ-likeness. So coming back to the passage and going on from addressing his audience as sinners, he brings out another hard-hitting term and James calls his audience double-minded. So we see that our, our problem too often is that we are double-minded, which means that we can cling to our selfish desires as well as clinging to seeking out God. However, God doesn't like this competition. And as James says, we must clearly take a stand against the devil and at the same time let go of the desire that gives him power over us. And James, well, James is inviting us into a sincere purifying of our hearts. And he wants to invite us to get serious about our sin and especially in a world that waters it down because he doesn't want us to dirty our lives. He wants to allow Jesus to do the cleansing work. Now, too often sin can actually be a result of our physical disordered desires and spiritual formation, this process and practice that we talk about. It actually requires partly the transformation of the body, the physical being. And with it, again, he provides a very helpful framework. Sorry, I'm referring to him a lot, but he's got a great, great lot of wisdom to share. Um, but he helps us understand the order of dominance of our will compared to God's will. And so he says in the life away from God that the order of dominance of the will is that we submit first to our bodily desires, our soul, our mind, spirit, and then God sits at the bottom rung of the ladder. But then on the flip side, if we are to live our lives in the God-intended function of the will, which is to reach out to him in trust and allow God to reign rule over our lives, then we see that the order is quite opposite. It is quite different. That first it's God, then spirit, mind, soul, and body. And Romans 8 verse 5 to 6 backs us up by saying, those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. 
I don't know about you, but I'm pretty keen on that life in peace. Cultural check-in time. We live in a world that idolizes sensuality, which is the expression of physical pleasure or satisfaction. So John Mark Comer, who is the author of Live No Lies, he says this, neither should the body be indulged and catered to, because the more you pamper and submit to its desires, the more they grow into insatiable cravings. For example, a potato chip tends to make you want another one. In that way lies being nothing more than an animal. Ooh. Now, um, let's just clarify things here. Potato chips aren't bad to eat every now and then. Um, it's always nice to have a bowl of salt and vinegar crisp with um, kiwi onion dip when you go to a bar barbecue or a dinner party. But as with anything, what is being said here is that when we constantly indulge ourselves in the cravings and desires of our physical flesh, our body, then indulgence can lead to idolatry and pleasure becomes more prominent over than our love for our God. In 2 Timothy 3 verse 2 to 4, um, it says that people will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So I guess I just say this is because we need to be mindful of our bodily desires and whether it's leading us into, into helpful things in our life and leading us towards a more righteous life lived in God's great plans for us. Because otherwise, the drive to self-gratification can open up a life to where there is no boundaries and nothing is forbidden. And that's where we can see sin creep in. But the beauty of what James is inviting us into here is then when we actually turn away from our selfish will, defined by our disordered desires of our body and mind, influenced by friendship and flirting with the ways of the world, and when we humbly surrender to God, then he promises that he will lift us up. And because when we humble ourselves to possess a repentant heart, then God's grace covers us and he will raise us up by the power of Jesus. This is the good news. Now, I'll just add that this all may feel somewhat maybe a little confronting, and maybe for some of us, we may feel the Spirit convicting us or maybe bringing to mind a few things in our lives that might be unhelpful for us. But please know that there is no shame, there is no condemnation in Jesus, and in fact, he is a great cleaner who generously, freely provides his services, and we can come to him and allow him to do a spring internal clean in us. So whether it be your first time or your millionth, would I just, I'll just invite you to consider if, how Jesus can give you a clean today. And in the process, we can expect that God will come near to forgive sin, to restore joy, and to strengthen the repentant sinner to live in purity and righteousness. Sound good? Yeah, I reckon. Cool. So we're on the home run now. Let's finish off the chapter with verses 13 to 17. James says, now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. 
Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. And if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Thirdly and finally, surrender your will. Let's get serious about God's will for our lives. So again, we see that James does not shy away from his message. Um, And obviously he seems to be a bloke who's not too fearful or concerned about confrontation. He's he's pretty hard-hitting with the way that he speaks. But it appears that James in this moment is speaking to a group of entrepreneurs and making direct comments about arrogance and their business endeavors. Now, he mentions a lot about boasting, and I think in the context of our church here at Coast, we're all pretty chilled, laid-back people, and I don't see too many people floating around boasting and bragging about the things that they're doing. But as a good disciple, however, we see that James is making us examine more subtle forms of boasting, which in this context is where arrogance and knowledge occurs when we assume we control time and events. Cultural check-in, final one. We live in a world that is obsessed with busyness and hustling. So firstly, let me just clarify. It is good to have goals, to work hard, to be determined, all these things. However, James is warning us that if the devil can't make you sin, he will make you too busy, which is another way of cutting off our connection to God. Now, I confess and I know that I have tended to have moments in my life where I have lived life as a busybody and haven't always brought my commitments before God because I've had, I guess, this naive arrogance that I can do it all. I can fit everything into my schedule. We will be fine. But James is reminding us that this is not the case. And again, coming back to uh, Gen Z, so can I just show a hands for the Gen Zers in the house? I see a few of you there, nice. Um, But particularly for our generation, so we see that we are told to hustle hard, and especially if you look on Instagram, if you scroll the gram, you see that there's this, this kind of term, work hard, play hard that you're told to hustle your life away. If you're not in the office um, working on progressing your career, then you'll be at the gym getting those gains. But if you're not at the gym doing that, then you'll be working on your side project. Um, But then if you're not doing that, maybe on the weekend you'll be drinking a margarita at the bar or two or three. But this is the narrative of the world around us. And this is what we need to be mindful of. But at the same time, it is important to remember that James is not trying to banish planning from our lives, but only that sort of self-sufficient, self-important planning that keeps God for Sunday and looks at Monday to Saturday as mine. Now, the solution to our time stress, it begins with humility. And humility comes from this knowledge that we, as James says, are like a vanishing mist unless the eternal God establishes us. And to be established by God is to know and act according to his will and give out the governance of our own will over our lives. And John Calvin, who you may know is a prominent theologian from the Protestant Reformation, he says it quite bluntly. The only haven of safety is to have no other will 
no other wisdom than to follow the Lord wherever he leads. Let this then be the first step, to abandon ourselves and devote the whole energy of our minds to the service of God. And to do this, we need to learn to consult with God about the things that are going on in our lives. Because, as James says, we don't know the first thing about tomorrow. And how many of, know, of us know that this has been the fact during COVID times? We haven't know, known what's going on. And I would say that we're probably all masters at expecting the unexpected by now. But when it comes to our plans, we should ask, whether this will honor God. Is this God honoring? Now, I don't know about you, but this passage, it makes me want to not lose a moment of, of the precious time that God has given us to live a life that leads us closer to him. And I, for one, don't want to be caught chasing my tail or the world's tail for that matter. But we also know that this can be easier said than done. So finally, again, I'll just emphasize, it's not bad to work hard and to aim to grow your business. But if you are simply striving in your own strength and running to play without seeking out God's will at it all, then you are missing out on the richness found in God's kingdom. You may be physically wealthy, but you may be spiritually poor. So I'll round off with two of my favorite verses from the Bible, which are pretty self-explanatory in their purpose and intent. Firstly, Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. And Matthew 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What a delight it is to rest in the promises of God's word. So just as we finish, I would love to invite the worship team to come forward. And for the rest of us, I would just invite us to stand for a moment. Now, I'll finish with the question of who here wants to get more serious about a life lived with and for Jesus? And maybe you feel like you've been cruising along life and you know that there are some things that you need to kick out of your life in order to get more serious. Well, firstly, would I just remind us all again of God's good character. He is kind, caring, and compassionate, and he does not condemn. But there may be some things in our lives that are unhelpful that he's bringing to attention today. And we just invite you to, to consider responding to God in that. And so in a moment, I'd just love to invite you forward. If you feel like you want some prayer, if you want someone to stand with you and pray with you um, as you devote these things to God. Or maybe you are here and you feel like there's this new passion or burning desire in your spirit to be more intentional, to be more serious about living life with God. And from this week on, you wanna put the stake in the ground and say, yes, God, I'm getting serious.
then I would also love to provide the space to invite you forward and to get someone to stand and pray with you and help fan that flame into the strength of God. But for the rest of us, we are just going to have a moment of worship. And again, just invite you to consider or allow Jesus to give you a spring clean today. And can I just remind us, as James does throughout his letters, that God is looking for humility. And we need to be mindful of capturing any thoughts that say, I'm well put together, I'm doing pretty fine, thank you, we're all good. But rather, let's humbly examine our hearts now so that we can be redirected into the will of God in our lives. And can I just remind us as well that as James says in James James 4, that God shows favor to the humble, that when we resist the devil, he will flee and God comes near to those who invite him and he lifts up the humble. And why, why does he do all this for us? Well, he does it because he loves us so deeply and he loves us in ways that we could never, ever, ever comprehend. And he wants to share his goodness with us. So we're just gonna take a moment of worship now. But if you wanna have prayer, then I'll just invite you to come forward. And for those of you who um, like to do a bit of praying, if you see someone come forward, we'd love to just have you come and stand and pray with them. Let's worship. Thanks so much for joining us for today's message. We hope and pray that it's been most helpful. If you are keen to find out a little bit more about us as a church whanau or you'd like to touch base, then you can go to coast.org.nz and there you'll find information about our in-person services, online services, various resources and activities. Enjoy the day. Be blessed.